0: Please listen carefully. Salutations, Toppers, and welcome to episode 75 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I do sincerely hope that this episode finds you well and that you're excited about exploring some more etymology. Today, we're expanding the family tree by looking at phrases that have to do with babies and family. Let's get right into the delivery of today's phrases, origins, history, and more. Let's begin with the idiom, blood is thicker than water. This one is used to say that family is more important than anyone else or that the bond of family is strong. But that's not what it meant at first. The meaning for this one has actually done a complete 180-degree flip. The original version of the phrase was the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, and it actually meant that the bond formed over shedding blood in battle, literally or metaphorically, was far stronger than the bond formed by being genetically related to someone. Let's go back into old-timey times to break all this down. There are several verses in the Bible that refer to blood as a covenant, but this saying isn't technically attributed to the Bible. However, I mention this usage to help illustrate how long the idea has been around. As for the saying itself, some folks think it goes back to at least the 12th century, when a similar saying was used in a poem called Reinhard Fuchs written by a German poet named Heinrich der Gullekesere. He wrote the poem in 1180, and one line translates to, quote, I also hear it said, kin blood is not spoiled by water. End quote. There's some dispute about this being the origin, because it means something more like the bonds of family aren't lessened by the vast span of distance that is the ocean. So it's a little bit different than the phrase we use today. Whether or not this was the first use, the modern version of the idiom was definitely in use prior to 1670, because we find it that year in a book of Proverbs written by John Ray. We've heard from him several times before, and the full name of his book was A Complete Collection of English Proverbs, to which is added a collection of English words not generally used. This may not have been the first time it was written down, since it's a book of Proverbs, but he did list blood is thicker than water in this book. So, most people reference this usage as the first one in print. Let's move on now and celebrate a birth. Under most circumstances, the birth of a baby is a reason to celebrate. One way people celebrate new life is with cigars although this isn't as common these days, seeing as how smoking is no longer allowed inside hospitals. Let's go back to the start of the tradition, then we'll come back to the modern-day equivalent. This one is believed to have come from the Native American tradition of exchanging gifts to celebrate a birth. The ceremony was called a potlatch, and one of the most prized gifts was a cigar. It became more popular in the era when home births were the norm especially before hospitals became common. In the best situations, there would be a doctor, nurse, or midwife there to help, and the father was typically waiting in another room for their bundle of joy. Since giving birth tends to take a little while, men would often smoke cigars while waiting. Sometimes they'd even have friends over to help them pass the time, and they'd pass out cigars to all their buddies to make the celebration better because filling the air with gobs of secondhand smoke is the perfect environment for welcoming a newborn. Anyway, this practice carried over to the hospital when men were usually in the waiting room. As people became more aware of how bad smoking is for you, and as smoking became not cool in hospitals, the tradition changed slightly. People were still passing out cigars to celebrate a new baby, but they were made of bubble gum. This was popularized sometime in the 1940s when Double Bubble released this product, which can still be bought today. They come in boxes of blue or pink, individually-wrapped cigar-shaped sticks of gum. It's definitely better to blow bubbles instead of smoke, especially around hospitals and babies. So, this change to the tradition was a good one. Now, let's examine how often a sucker is born. A sucker is born every minute means that the world is full of gullible or unintelligent people. Many people think that P.T. Barnum said this one first, and while he may have said it, he definitely didn't say it first. I can say this with confidence because the phrase is older than he is. Also, while this is widely considered to be an American phrase, that only applies to its current version. Originally, it was said as a full is born every minute, and this version began in Great Britain. It was in use by at least the early 19th century, because we find it in print in 1806. It was in an article of a January edition of the European magazine, which was published by the Philological Society of Great Britain. It read, quote, It was the observation of one of the tribe of Levi, that is, a Jew, to whom some person had expressed his astonishment at his being able to sell his damaged and worthless commodities, there that Vash von Fuhl born every minute. End quote. Since Barnum wasn't born until 1810, he couldn't have coined the phrase. I know he liked to amaze people, but even he couldn't invent a phrase four years before being born. Anyway, no one seems to know exactly how this phrase crossed the pond and changed from foal to sucker, but it was most likely in the 1860s. And while this can't be proven, it was likely due to gamblers. Now, let's kiss some babies. If you've been shaking hands and kissing babies, then you've been networking with people, often to try to garner support for something. The shaking hands part goes way back into old-timey times. People have been shaking hands since at least the 5th century B.C., and it's believed the gesture began in Greece. Back then, it was done as a symbol of peace, as it let both parties know that the other wasn't holding a weapon. It wasn't like the modern-day handshake, though. They would grasp each other's forearm, which allowed them to make sure that they didn't have a weapon hidden in their sleeve. The actual shaking of hands is a little more recent, thought to have come about in medieval Europe. Since armor kind of makes it hard to feel if anything is hidden under it, knights would shake hands to see if they could dislodge any hidden weapons from the other's armor. As for why we shake hands with the right arm, well, it's basically because more people are right-handed, and so weapons were typically drawn with the right hand. I guess they were like Inigo and Wesley, and were not left-handed fighters. Anyway, the kissing babies part is more recent. This saying is used most often in reference to political campaigns, which makes sense considering the origin of the baby kissing part. The person this is most often attributed to is President Andrew Jackson. In 1833, he was on a tour in the eastern part of the country. And a woman walked up to him while holding her baby. Jackson complimented her and her child by saying, quote, Ah, there is a fine specimen of American childhood. I think, madam, your boy will make a fine man some day. Then he handed the baby to John Eaton, the Secretary of War, and said, quote, Eaton, kiss him. End quote. Within about 50 years, the practice had become so popular that an American magazine for mothers called Babyhood wrote this in an 1886 issue. Quote, History fails to record the name of the politician who first adopted the above method of gaining the favor of mothers. Henry Clay, Tom Corwin, and Van Buren did a good deal in that line. And I believe it was Davy Crockett who boasted that he had kissed every baby in his district. End quote. It boils down to this. Most people like babies, so when they see a candidate kiss a baby, it makes them seem more down-to-earth. Shaking hands is a sign of trust, or a greeting, so shaking hands and kissing babies is basically a way to say, hey, you can trust me because I like kids and I don't have a weapon. That doesn't really roll off the tongue, though, so we use the saying instead. Let's move on now to silver spoons. If someone is born with a silver spoon in their mouth, it means they were born into wealth. Or sometimes it's used to mean everything seems to go right for them. This one comes directly from the spoon itself. Back in old timey times, spoons were often made of wood, unless you were rich enough to afford metal ones. Wood splits and has splinters, so it wasn't the easiest utensil to use. Bonus fact, another name for a splinter or chip of wood is spoon, which is most likely how spoons got their name. Not only were most spoons made of the cheap material, but most people only had one spoon, which they carried around with them. If you could afford a metal spoon, you were really well off. If you had a silver spoon, then you were really well off. So much so that the silver spoons could serve as a form of ID letting people know you were indeed someone important. It wasn't all about looks, though. Silver has antimicrobial properties and could therefore have been the more sanitary option over other metals. Also, silver will tarnish on contact with sulfur, so it can detect the presence of certain poisons, especially arsenic sulfides. Rich people were pretty worried about being poisoned for their wealth, so this was a great tool to have in more ways than one. It not only showed off your wealth, but could potentially help protect it. As far as being in writing, the phrase has been around since at least the early 18th century. We find it in 1719 in a book we've talked about before. In Peter Matu's translation of Don Quixote, he wrote the following quote, Mom, Teresa, Quoth Sancho, "'Tis not all gold that glisters, and every man was not born with a silver spoon in his mouth." End quote. It would have already been in use before then. He was using it metaphorically. But it's still considered the first use in writing. So with that, it's time for today's Familiar Quotation. Topper's today's Familiar Quotation is from Khalil Gibran, Here's what he had to say about family. Quote, You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Gibran, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers. It's time for today's For Better or For Words. Love advice from old-timey times. Just a quick disclaimer. Remember that this advice is over a 100 years old. While some of the advice is still good today, I don't necessarily agree with every tip I read from these books. It's for entertainment purposes only. With that out of the way, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't try to model your husband on some other woman's husband. Let him be himself and make the best of him. And now for the men. Don't be surprised or annoyed or disappointed to find, after treating your wife for years as a feather brain, that you have made her one, and that when she fails to rise to the occasion when you need her help. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 75. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnaphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, how to send me topic suggestions, how to support the podcast, and for details about the music I use in the show. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, thanks for being part of the Turn of Phrases family. Toodaloo! Let me rephrase Written by a German poet named Heinrich der Der der, 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 der. Written by a German poet named Heinrich der Gulkere Nope, nope, nope Gulekessere, Gulekessere. Written by a German poet named Heinrich der Guleskere. No, I said it wrong. Heinrich der Gulesk du Written by a German poet named Heinrich der Guleskessere. No nope. Gula... Gulla Kessere. Gulla Kessere. Heinrich der (laughs) Gula-sere. Kessere. Heinrich der Gula Kessere. Gula Kessere. 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 I think. Which was published by the Philo... Nope. Which was published by the Philo... Philological. Philological. Shaking hands is a sign of a trust. Nope. Shaking hand... (laughs) You can trust me because I don't like kids. Nope. <laughs> I mixed those up. Tis not all gold that glitters. Nope. Tis not all gold that glit- gl- glisters. Okay.